Nancy, star one. Sorry about that. I was muted. <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Nancy P., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is August 19th, Thursday, and we are reading from the big book um, of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 79, the last paragraph, the third paragraph on the page, beginning with, we thought he ought to be willing, and ending with, has long since been adjusted, just the one paragraph. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jen A. to read the 12 steps. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Um, Wendy M., could you please read the 12 traditions? Good morning. This is Wendy M. in North Carolina, and these are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, 
with problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction. Rather than promotion, we need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, um, Wendy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book um, on page 79, the third paragraph, we thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary, and sharing on just the one paragraph. So, Martha Z, um, I'll ask you to read and share. Good morning, Nancy. This is Martha Z. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. We thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary, but if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. We suggested he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did and also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try to do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course she did not, and the whole situation has long since been adjusted. And good morning, my friends in recovery. I, I thought I would just share with you one of my most powerful amends because I've been listening all week <laughs> everybody's gut level honesty. Um, so about a little over seven years ago, I um, listened to a Sunday special, and the person was talking about um, fear turnarounds. And I I knew about resentment turnarounds. I didn't know anything about fear turnarounds. So I called her up, and I we talked about it, and I said, she told me what to do, and I said, like, could we do one? And so, you know, I went back and, you know, I worked on what she said, and I came back, and so I start telling my mom, you know, so I start this thing, and I, I start to say a couple words, and she says, wait a minute, wait a minute, something about resentment, <laughs> and um, I'm thinking to myself, no, no, you don't understand, like, I, I've been working on this resentment with this for about 20 years, she, you know, so I go, I, I, I decide that I'm going to do what she said, because I don't like it when you know, when I when people say to me, 
I've done that before or why they can't do it. And so I am willing to go to any lengths. I, I did what she said. Came back and I'm reading the stuff and um, she mostly focused on the on um, my self-seeking. Where was I self-seeking? So in my mind, I think I'm loving, patient, kind. This is for my mom. I'm loving, patient, and kind and she's just a bitch. I'm sorry, that's how I felt. Um, or that's what I thought. So anyway, I we get to the self-seeking part, and I say um, I judged, uh, blamed, and gossiped about her. And she says, that's the kind of daughter you've been. And I'm thinking, wow, I, I think that's kind of harsh. Um, but I, I was kind of praying to see my part. But I didn't, I didn't feel anything right then. About two weeks later, it's right before Mother's Day, and I had said to my mom, like, we're going to have to do something on Saturday. Sunday I wanted to spend with one of my daughters. And um, so I get there on Saturday, and she seemed surprised to see me. And we had a visit, and I left, and I'm driving out, and it was like this, this wall came over me. I really saw everything about what my part was in all this, what I what I was doing. And I knew... I just, I, because I've been in recovery a long time, I was really connected. I knew exactly what I needed to say to her. And I said, I am so sorry that I've made you feel, that I've ever made you feel like you weren't one of the most important people in my life. And we just, we, you know, I, I just totally open and she, I don't, I just changed everything. You know, this, whatever. Whatever hardness around my heart was just softened, and um, I just think that um, <laughs> I want to say like this: this program helps us have the best possible relations with everybody we know. So I continue to make a living amends to her, and I'll just say it works; it really does. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Martha Z. Okay, so um, now I'm going to take names for people that want to share on this paragraph. Who would like to share? Lori H. Lori. Rebecca A. Rebecca A. Tessa Q. Tessa. Take a couple more. Terry K. Terry or Terry? Terry. Terry with a T as in Tom. Oh, sorry. Yep, Terry K. Okay. How about two more people? Donna S. Donna S. Deanna P. Okay, that's good. All right, uh, Lori H., you're up. Press star one. Can you hear me? Yes, now I can. Okay, um, my name is Lori H. from Miami. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, let me try and get through this. It's a little emotional. Okay, so... Um, for years, I wanted to make amends to my father, and he wouldn't let me. 
Um, and, but the universe had different ideas and kept putting us in the same place. I would get off the phone with him requesting to make an amends and he would show up in the grocery store not a minute later. Um, and then, you know, he denied me, but then I was in Brazil and my line in the Posada and I heard my name and I turned around and he was there in Brazil on the other side of the, you know, of <laughs> the world, basically in my Posada line. And finally he conceded to let me send him a letter. And I had to admit to him that um, my ex, I, I, I couldn't um, imply, um, I, I couldn't uh, implicate my ex-husband whose idea it was um, to, we had a car that we couldn't afford the lease on and neither one of us were employed. And um, not to go into the story and the excuses, but you know, we burned this car and it was on my father's insurance and I could not implicate my ex-husband that uh, so my sponsor had me you know put it in the letter that I did this and take full responsibility even though I was not the one who actually burned the car I went with it and um, and then I also admitted to him you know uh, other terrible behaviors and um, and the hardest thing was that um, well uh, when I called him to see if he got the letter he said yes and he was in the hospital that he had a heart attack and I was like oh my god I've killed him and um, it I was just really overwhelming. Obviously, he had a heart issue anyways, but he he completely um, wrote me out of his life. We weren't close anyways. I have forgiveness in my heart for all the things that he did, but maybe he's not capable of that, and that's okay. Um, it's hard that I cannot see that side of the family because he won't include me um, and doesn't want me around, um, but I'm willing to accept that as a consequence for having done the right thing. And I feel clear about that. But then I also used it to justify what I did when I got a divorce from my husband. And what I did was I, I not only took my stuff because I knew he would not support me and the baby and I would be on my own. This is how I rationalized it. I took his furniture. So when I was making my amends list and going over my eight step list and, and writing it out the other day with my sponsor, she was like, you stole his furniture. Let's call it what it is. And I was like, you're right. You know, I spent so much time rationalizing, justifying my behavior. You did this. So I did this. And that's all a lie. And I'm clear today that nobody makes me think, makes me feel or do anything. I do that. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lori H. Rebecca, oh, before we go on with Rebecca, I'd like to remind everybody that we're, um, if you've shared in the last two days, that would be uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, we ask that you step back and let somebody else have a chance. We're um, sharing every third day. Okay, Rebecca A., you're up. Hi there, I'm Rebecca A. from London in the UK. Really grateful to be here today. Um, yeah, this um, the thing that jumped out to me here was this thing about jail. But if he were in jail, he could not provide he could provide nothing for either family. And um, yeah, because I guess the goal of this step work is about being of service. It's that golden step 12, you know, having something to give and living on a spiritual basis now. My work is to be able to give that and to receive, but to give, you know. And um, yeah, there's a dignity in being willing to go to jail for what we've done you know, uh, take responsibility, finally be an adult. Um, 
but yeah, I can be of maximum service when actually, rather than go to jail, I make the changes. And um, listening there, I was thinking about the amends that I made to my mum. And it was one of those amends that, you know, kind of not backfires, but goes a bit awry where like, you know, then she starts reading off all the terrible things you've done. And you're feeling like, okay, yeah, well, I guess I've asked to see my uh, part in this and now I'm getting to see it. And, uh, you know, she didn't want me to go to jail for those things. Really, she wants me to be the change, you know. And that's the greatest amends, this kind of living, living change, living amends that we can do. And, yeah, if I'm in the jail of self-pity or in that kind of self-flagellating sort of jail, I can't be um, the change I can't do my living amends um, I can't be of service so yeah this just reminded me about um, yeah he told her what he would try to do in the future and it's all about that now being the change okay with that I pass thank you so much thank you Rebecca A uh, Rebecca A Tessa Q Europe press star one can you be heard? Can I be heard? Yep. Yep. You're good. Oh, great. Hi. Good morning. Can you be heard? Hi. Good morning. I'm Tessa Q, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater um, from South Florida. Um, there's a sentence here right at the end that really jumps out at me. And I remember the very first time I read that sentence and um, it still hits home today. Um, of course, she did not. And the whole situation has long since been adjusted. I read that in absolute shock. Um, I had such disbelief in the beginning of my recovery that I could make an amends and that the issue, in fact, just sharing it right now, I'm trembling, but this incredible hope began to grow in me that my past discretions could be addressed and resolved um, with, with most people. Um, there's a couple people in my life that turned out to be much sicker than I was. Um, and I learned in the amends process of their deeper and greater sickness. And I began to really experience gratitude and express that with my higher power of my own recovery. Um, but most of these situations have long since been adjusted. I remember a very poignant letter I received back from an employer um, for a period of time, I worked for an architect who worked out of uh, the, the transformed garage in his home um, way before people had a home offices. And I would wait for him and his family to leave, and I would go into their kitchen, and I would eat their food, just like I had when I was a babysitter. And I would try and eat the things in such orders and quantities that they wouldn't notice. And so when I wrote them a letter and I sent them a check, and I explained to them what I was doing with my life. I didn't really understand the bigger picture of the amends process, not just making amends for my transgressions, but really changing my behaviors moving forward. Um, I remember, and I can still picture the letter that I got back from them. And it said, very simply, you were hungry, you ate. And that kind of forgiveness and acceptance uh, of me, I had never experienced in my life. And I'm really grateful for that because as that little seed of hope uh, was planted when I read that sentence, uh, that little seed uh, of hope has grown into an enormous 
incredibly strong uh, oak tree that can withstand any wind. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, uh, Tessa Q. Terry Kay, you're up. Hi there, this is Terry Kay, uh, gratefully recovered in Missouri. Thank you for your service. Um, this paragraph really got me reflecting on my relationship with my mother who is now passed. Our entire relationship um, was very um, strained. It was as if I put on her how I thought her feelings were toward me as facts. So I would tell her that she that she hated me and she would say, no, I don't hate you. That's ridiculous. And then I would say, well, then you're pretty much, I was calling her a liar. And, and, um, and there were positive times in, in the years in our relationship too, but in my heart, I really didn't feel love for her. And, and what I learned later in life through multiple pro- recovery programs is that she just didn't have that capacity from her own experience. Um, it wasn't until some time that she had passed that, that God put on my heart, you know, because as a child, I'm thinking, what was my part in that? I mean, you know, I was a child and I didn't get what I needed. I was neglected and, um, and I didn't feel loved. And, and I found myself writing her a letter as she had already passed. And, and I identified my part and, you know, my part was to, to tell her how she felt. I can't speak for how she feels. And not accept her words as true and accept that this was her truth. Um, and so I deprived her and me of a of a, a loving relationship that could have been. And so for that, um, I apologized to her, you know, past, uh, you, know, you know, through the whatever you call it, the spirit world. And, and, um, and I felt like I wanted to share that letter with my adult, young adult daughter. And and I did, and and I got from the other end of the line. She said, "That's how I feel about you." And so the grace and the the opportunity that this experience provided me was was beyond any hope of healing. It was miraculous because on top of a healing I had with my mother, it gave my daughter and I a chance for some healing as well that I didn't even know needed to be healed at that time. So. Just wanted to share that if it were to maybe be of, of help to anybody. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, uh, Terry Kay. Donna S., you're up. Donna S., press star one. Okay, maybe she stepped away. Deanna P., are you available? Yes, I am. Good morning, Nancy. Can you hear me? I can. Go right ahead. Hi, thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deanna P., gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater from Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love the shares about um, restoration and um, amends. Um, and I'm going to dovetail on the last year and tell everyone a little bit about my dad and the amends that I had to make to him. And just like the last caller, 
um, or share uh, my father was deceased at the time of my amends um, that I did to him with with him last year. And um, I wrote him a letter and everything. But, you know, I a transaction takes place with the person that you're going to, whether they're living or dead. And that transaction is a miracle. Um, it's also whether they accept it or don't is irrelevant because it's something that we need to do, right? But um, something really miraculous happens when you tell someone um, that you're sorry for what you did and you want to make it right. And they're standing there, sitting there like, this is not the person that I used to know. And they may believe you or not believe you, again, irrelevant. But something is happening there in that conversation between two people that is so powerful because even if they don't accept it, you know, their time can has a way and, and people process differently at different times. But with my dad, he was deceased, right? And I had literally had one dream about my dad in so many years. Like I one stood out before program. I came into program and in a short amount of time, I had three very vivid, very powerful dreams of, with my father that were transactional. And the one that was the most powerful was he was laying on a couch and I just went over to him and he was just kind of resting and his eyes were open and he was just resting. And I just stood over him and I said, dad, I'm so, so sorry. I did not understand your illness, your disease. I did not understand alcoholism. I have this disease too. And I love you and I forgive you. And I hope that you'll forgive me. And he had one tear coming down his, his, his eye onto his cheek and he didn't say anything, but it said everything. And I do believe with all my heart that God gave me that dream that was transactional between my dad and I, and I know not everyone has that, but I wanted to share it because I really truly believe that that higher power can work through any and all means necessary to get our attention, even our dreams. And thank you so much for letting me share. And thank you for the power of this program, God, and the power of the fellowship. Thank you all. Thank Hi, you, Deanna Donna P. Ask. I'm here, okay. Donna all right, just a second, Donna. I just wanted to say um, that the share IDs for yesterday are Wednesday, 7 a.m., 17581. Wednesday, 7 a, uh, 10 a.m. is 17585. And today's um, share ID is 17593. Okay, go ahead, Donna. Sorry about that. It was operator difficulty with my phone earlier. No worries. Um, no worries. Okay. Um, yes, thanks for letting me share. This step nine, I've been in the program a long time, in um 12-step program, and I never worked step nine the way I work it, you know, today, the way I worked it this past year. When, once I had my um, sponsor from, from this meeting, she made me see things that I never saw before. And I made, uh, I made a few amends already. I've made like four amends, and they all turned out okay. One of them was from a past sponsor that um, she, didn't wanna, she didn't really want to take my amends. I t- you know, she said, after two and a half years, you're calling me. She was very, very upset. It's just not, um, not 
uh, wanting to accept my men's, but I know that in my bottom of my heart, I really do see my part in what happened with our in our relationship. There was a lot of things. We were very, very close. We were almost like sisters. And it's sad now that I think about how the relationship broke up, but it's gone. I know it's gone. And she, you know, she had said she wishes me well from the bottom of her heart, but she said that I was emotionally um, not safe person for her anymore. And she didn't trust me. So just, you know, I have to accept that, but I feel better after doing my amends and all the other, but this, it's, I learned from all of you that I have to do these things even if I feel uncomfortable because at the end of the end, did them. And I'm looking back over the years. Mine is more outside of my family. I've made amends to all like my family members and tried to change my behavior. But in my business, I have a people business, and there's a lot of people that I, you know, I'm around. So it's a lot of... Uh, amends outside of my home that I have to make, but I've made a lot of them already. And with that, I'll end my share. Thank you. Thank you, Donna S. Okay, um, we'll now um, take more names, but I want to remind people that although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. Um, That means if you shared... Tuesday or Wednesday, we ask that you step back and let somebody else have a chance. Okay, so who would like to share today? Blanca BG. Sarah L. Blanca. Anna. Linda D. Ann M. Linda D. Kathy M. Kathy M. Shelly D. Shelly D. Okay, that's six. Okay, Blanca, you're up. Go right ahead. Good morning. Uh, Can I be heard? You can. Um, Thank you so much. Um, This is Blanca BG. I'm from Florida. For me, you know, I I look at the word jail. Uh, The jail comes out. And I, for me, I was in jail anyway. My my remorse and shame and regret had me in a jail just about my whole life. So even when it so when it came time to making amends and it, I didn't even fear that because for me it was like I've been in jail anyway, you know. So no one could have I couldn't have done worse. No one could have done worse to me than I did to myself through my through my shame and my guilt and remorse. And uh, for me, amends helped me get out of that prison, little by little, slowly by slowly, but turned that key that I'd been living with anyway. And I, someone shared about justifying. That's I really appreciate her honesty in that because I did the same thing. I justified everything that I did, be, uh, and I always put it on my disease. You know, I would say, well... I I was unfaithful to my husband for years because I should never have gotten married in the first place. And I was so dysfunctional, and I had so many dysfunctional uh, 
behaviors, I had no business getting married, and that's why I did it. No, what the what the the person shared earlier is it is what it is, and I had to call it that. I was unfaithful for years. I made a vow, vows, and I broke it. And I think that's, and I did that with other things too, you know, with all my other relationships. But of course, it is what it is, and that is the point. We must face it head on as hard and as and as heartbreaking and as difficult as that is. And in order to get well and change. And uh, I must remind myself that that does not happen overnight. A lifetime of this disease doesn't go away just like that, like magic. It doesn't work that way. And I also must remember, I am not responsible for my disease, but I am responsible for my recovery. And um, I remembering that as almost having that as a mantra that helped me get through and through this prison I had I had made for myself. Um, So I continue to. face the realities head on and get better and get well one day at a time. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Blanca. BG. Dara L., you're up. Uh, Yeah, great. Thanks. This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. Um, I love what's been shared so far. And I just want to focus on um, the part in this paragraph that says, of course she did not. Um, So I love the big book, mostly agree with every single word that's in it. Um, But that of course she did not is dangerous for me. (laughs) Um, And what I mean by that is that I have gone into amends sometimes with the expectation that the other person is going to be receptive and the expectation that, um, you know, like it's all going to work out for the best, right? Like, because here I am showing up and owning up and, you know, and, and, and things are going to be good now. And, um, you know, although that has happened with probably, I want to say like 95% of the amends that I've done, it's been amazing. Um, in the moment, it's been amazing. And that other 5% in the moment, it has been excruciating. You know, it has been painful. Um, I've made an amend and someone uh, threatened to kill me and, you know, and, and leave bullets on my bathroom floor. Like, I mean, I've made amends that have not, have not seemingly gone well. And, um, and for me, you know, when I, when I go to an amend, assuming that that other person is going to do something, that I'm going to get something, um, you know, that's a vastly different experience than when I go into that amend knowing that whatever the outcome, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. You know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to own up and, um, and there's no outcome attached. And, you know, as a compulsive eater, every single thing in my life I did to get what I wanted. And um, for me, it's been dangerous to go into ninth step and then still thinking I'm going to get what I wanted or even with some attachment 
to the promises, which do come, you know, they do come uh, as a result of working the steps. But like, can I be unconditionally surrendered today? You know, can I be, regardless of what happens outside of me, can I be willing to work on my internal spiritual condition so that I am free? And, um, you know, it, it, it's harder for me to go into amends without that expectation that, of course, the other person is going to react a certain way. But I, I I find there to be tremendous freedom and tremendous openness in that um, and, uh, you know, and a sincere <laughs> sincere execution of step three as opposed to what I've done at some point, which is to go into those amends thinking, you know, it's going to turn out the way I want it. And, and it's always turned out better. You know, it's always turned out better. Sometimes just not in the moment. You know, sometimes it takes it takes time and sometimes that relationship can't be healed. But, um, you know, but I'm free and I, and I, I don't make the same mistakes in, in, in future relationships. So anyways, just wanted to share that perspective and so glad to, to be on the line with you all and I'll pass. Thank you, Dara L. Ann M., you're up. Hi, Nancy. This is Anne M. here, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ireland. Can I be heard okay, Nancy? You, you can. You can, loud and clear. Go for it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy, and thank you for your service. And, uh, yeah, great meeting, great shares. And, uh, yeah, love this paragraph on Step 9 amends. And, uh, yeah, I was just looking at it and, you know, just looking at the whole paragraph. And, uh, you know, willing is, is, is mentioned twice. And, uh yeah, it just really shouts out to me, you know, and I think it was mentioned earlier in the week in the meeting that, you know, willingness is something that, yeah, it's indispensable, like it says in the big book, but I think the gift of desperation brings me to that brink of willingness. And, uh, yeah, willingness is what I need to um, to approach this, you know, and take, take my side, the responsibility that I've been you know, neglectful of as an addict all my life and the blame and justifying and rationalizing. And, you know, this is where I need to come with God to, you know, to own my part. And, uh, yeah, I love the part where it says, you know, it, it, it says that, that we, you know, we adding, you know, we don't, we don't look at the first other person's faults. We look at our own and it just, it just shows me, you know, it's it's the hurts that I have caused and the harms that I have caused. And I, you know, over the last couple of, the last week and a half since we've been reading this on Step 9, a lot of amends have cropped up, which I had, you know, haven't come up on my Step 9 list or Step 8 and 9 list. And, you know, they are, it is more being revealed, you know, and it is never, you know, we're never finished this process of clearing up the wreckage of our past. And, you know, it's like that where maybe these amends I wasn't fit for before. And, you know, these are things I need to straighten out my past and being willing to look at those. But, of course, I really want to... um justify them and put them, you know, in, in that, that little Pandora box and hide them away. But that doesn't happen. You know, that's not what, that's not what happens. I need to declare them. I need to speak to a sponsor about them and I need to uh, take action and take direction on them. Yeah. I love the part as well about, it was mentioned earlier about going to jail. And uh, I suppose that just for me as well, it says, you know, perfectly willing to go to jail. It is the length we go to. But when I reflect back as well, you know, we shared earlier, 
I was all, I was in jail while I was in the food and out of recovery. I was in jail in my mind, in my heart. You know, I certainly was not free around the food. I used to lock doors and put keys outside and lock myself out of places and, you know, trying to control that food. But you know what? Today I have a solution and thank you, God, and, and a daily reprieve. So I'll leave it that. Thank you so much, Nancy. And with that, I pass. Thank you for your service, Nancy. Thank you, and M. Uh, okay, Linda D, you're up. Good morning, everybody. Hi, Nance. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's Linda D from Connecticut. Can you hear me? We can. Oh, good. I screwed up the phone again. Um, hmm. I'm very, very relieved, grateful, humbled by all the help I get on this line, by the grace of God truly revealed in in these meetings, in all meetings to some degree, especially in this meeting. One of the most valuable things I do as a human being and a soul on a journey is surrender. One of our folks says that all the time. I wonder who it is. Uh, and she's so right. I woke up human which to me now means in part, I'm uh, opinionated, confused, ignorant of how the entire universe works. The new thing is, so I'd better surrender to the truth. For me now, the truth is a higher power, whom now I can um, call God a word I hated when I came in. I hated everything and everyone, and I would never, ever tell you that. I was so ashamed and bottled up. I hated most of all myself, my parents, the house I grew up with, the mess I'd made of my life because I was flat out shattered but proud, and this is a disease that leveled me. If I'm on the outside of the program, just kind of listening to 12-step meetings like this one, it looks impossible. They've got all this in their life now, but look what they had to go through to get it. I don't want this. Uh Uh-uh, I didn't have that option. I cannot guess from the outside how this thing works. It's like a car. I'm not going to learn about a car from the manual. I'm going to learn some stuff and then I got to get in the car. Um, So every day I get in my car and I shut up and I listen to my soul, the truth inside of me, which is I'm here because I'm self-destructive. Yes. And I still am because I'm still addictive. My life today is second to none. I love my life, love my parents who have long passed on. And this program gives me everything I need, and I'm so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Kathy M., you're up. 
Good morning. I'm a compulsive uh, eater from uh, Recovered in Massachusetts, and my name is Kathy. I want to thank uh, you for taking my call and for everyone who's doing service and getting help on the line today. I, I've been listening uh, most every day this week, and um, amends kept coming to my mind, kept coming to my mind, and uh, um, I said, well, I guess I'm supposed to share about it. So I, I had a boss that... that uh, um, verbally berated me and, and we had a terrible, terrible relationship and I resented him for years and it took me a long time to, to see my part in, uh, my part in that relationship and, and I finally, uh, finally realized that, that even though he had been terrible to me, I owed him an amends also and, um, so I was waiting for the time to be right and, uh, we were both at a funeral together one time, and I just said, well, you know, maybe this is the opportunity, maybe this is the opportunity, and I was within feet of him, and, and something inside of me said, this probably just isn't the right time, and the funeral probably isn't the right time anyway, but um, I didn't see him very often, so I, so I walked away, and, and I, I don't know how soon after that, but I, but I realized uh, that I was making that amends because I was expecting an apology from him also. And, and, and in my heart of hearts, I hadn't let go of that resentment. And at that point, I knew that, that um, you know, that I needed some more prayer and I needed some more guidance on, on that. And, uh, you know, uh, so finally I, I, I saw my part. I was ready. I, in my heart of hearts, I was ready to let go of it and, and tell him so. And, um, um, and he passed away. And it was just like, oh, geez, like, what am I supposed to do now? And, um, you know, and so I sat down and I, and I wrote the amends out and, and I prayed and I gave it to God and, and I burnt it up and, um, and it's gone today. Thank you, God. Um, you know, this program works, uh, the step works, uh, um, you know, I, I, he was probably never going to give me an apology and, and that's fine. It doesn't make any difference today. I know in my heart of hearts, I forgive him and that's what's most important. So thanks for t- taking my call and I have a great day and I pass. Thank you, uh, Kathy M. Shelly D., you're up. Hi, I'm Shelly D. from Pennsylvania. Uh, this is only the second time I shared on Vision, uh, and that's since January. So nine months later, eight months later, and I'm just coming on again. I listened to Vision, but this is my thing. My thing is that I picked up the food. And um, I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. I don't want to feel like a failure. But what I do want to do is realize it's so important for me to know why it happened and what I did this time, or what I didn't do, rather. And it was at steps eight and nine where I got stuck, not wanting, not being willing to, to do the amends that I needed to do, or even not even being willing to really, truly, truly see my part and ask my higher power to open my eyes to it. I just stuck my heels in. I heard several people share today about being in prison and um, reading that paragraph, I realized, yes, I I am in a self-imposed prison. It's the worst kind because at least if you're in jail, you can get help and you can be free in jail, but you cannot, you can be free in your mind, but you cannot be free when, if you're not, if you're not relying on your higher power, at least I can, I can't speak for anyone else. I am willing right now to um, open myself up to work again. I've been through the steps since January. I've been through the steps once 
and now almost through them again. But again, at eight and nine, there I was stuck again, stuck in that ucky mucky mud that I am ashamed to admit, but that's where I'm at. I need help. I need calls. I need texts. I need to be willing. Somebody asked me this morning, what's your relationship with your higher power? And I thought I had one. I really, truly do have one, but it's not, it's not a real, it's not the kind of power that I feel passionate about. I'm afraid to ask my higher power for help because truly, I think I know that I would receive the help and then I'm afraid, well, what's going to happen then? What's going to happen if I have to be willing to do this? And what's going to be ha- happen if I have to be willing to do that? And, um, and I'm scared. And that is the truth. I haven't been willing to do things like not go into restaurants until I finish like at least step nine. I was not willing to do that. I was not willing to cut back on my vacations. I was not willing to do a lot of things. And I thought that it would be okay, but obviously it wasn't. So I guess my share today is also one of of kind of like a little bit of a warning to myself and to others that, you know, if I'm not willing and I'm not relying on my higher power, this is not going to work. It's just not going to work. There's no magic in it. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you letting me have my my three minutes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Shelly D. And please stay for the next um, hour and leave your number at the end for support calls. Okay, so we can we have some more time. Uh, actually, we have uh, time for about three more people who would like to share. Maybe two more people. Two more people. Asi P from Los Angeles. Asi. Mm-hmm. Niji. P. And who is the second P? Niji. Oh, Niji. Niji P. Okay, go ahead, Aussie. Hi, this is Aussie. I'm a um, compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. Um, thanks for everybody's share today. I really appreciate it. Um, so for me, I um, I had an affair um, actually at the start of when I came into this program three years ago, and I wasn't yet working the steps, um, and I just moved. I just, you know, and, and I caused a lot of pain. I hurt a lot of people. Um, I hurt my ex-husband. I hurt my children, and. Um, and through this program, and I'm grateful, I was able to stay abstinent through a horrendous period. Of, it was a very hard period of time um, in my self-seeking ways. And and I made amends. You know, I did not have a great relationship with my children. They were very angry. And it was also public, and people knew about it in my community. And I'm through this program, after, you know, just making amends and without any expectations, you know, before this program, I had no um, blueprint for life. You know, I was literally just winging it, just doing the best I could with the strategies that I had in my life. And that was eating, that was cheating, that was lying. Um, I was just, that was the best that I could do. And um, today, I have a, I have a point, I have, I, have a, I have a sense of how to live my life, and I tie that to God's ideals, and it's like my north star of 
what I aim for. But I need to make amends to the woman. Um, she's a mom in my community, and I caused her a great deal of pain. Um, and I haven't done it yet because I'm scared, um, you know, because, but I feel in jail, you know, that, that statement. Um, I go to school, I go to schools and, you know, everybody knows and it's hard and I feel very, always very alone and I feel stuck. I mean, I know I have this program and I have fellows, but I know I need to, I still need to do the work and clear my side. And I know that there's still fear of, um, it doesn't feel safe for me to come in and I'm praying about that. Um, but I know I need to make amends. I know I need to make amends for my own recovery. And I know, and having done so with my children, I have a, I have a solid relationship with them again. And we've gone through to the other side and it could not have been without this program of me learning to live honestly and what that actually means. I don't think I ever knew what it meant to be honest and to live honestly and to value what it means to be honest until I came into these rooms. And so I just appreciate everybody's share um, because I don't feel so alone and I have shame about the things that I've done. Um, and I'm just grateful. So thank you. For, and then with that, I'll pass. Thank you, RCP. Niji P, you're up. Press star one, Niji. Hi, thank you. Um, my name is Niji. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I am from the Chicago area. This is my first time sharing, and it's wonderful to be listening every morning for really a long time and being on this step. Um, I've done all my steps, and a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to someone sharing on a Zoom meeting about an amend she had to make. And suddenly this kind of bubbling came up to me about an amends that I need to make for something that I did actually more than 30 years ago, uh, being dishonest about a lease in a uh, subsidized apartment so that I wouldn't have to pay a higher rent. And um, today I'm going to talk with that manager and make my amends and hope to come up with some way to be able to make restitution. Um, I'm going to offer some suggestions and see what she thinks about it. I feel a lot of shame because I just don't see myself as that person, that person that would do something like that. But here I am. Yep, it's me. Um, I say this often, you know, every time I turn the corner, I see myself. And uh, I'm grateful to be able to do this. I don't foresee any uh, bad outcome, only good outcome. And uh, thank you very much. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, uh, Niji, um, we have about a minute and a half. Would anybody like to take that slot? Close us out. Okay, I guess we'll close. Thank you very much to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
The share ID for today, again, is 17593. That's 17,593. Uh, so we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And I will ask... Who am I asking? Lauren N. Lauren N. <laughs> yep. Go right ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. This is Lauren N. from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely to what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.